The Tampa Bay Buccaneers aren't the only parties interested in a Deshaun Watson union on the football field. How it happens, what it'll cost, and what that means for other names like free agent to be Chris Godwin. And I tack on two more draft prospects to watch who can land on the Buccaneers 2022 roster in the running back room on this episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, Bucks Nation, to this episode of the Locked On Bucks Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is your daily podcast covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I'm your host for today's episode, David Harrison, writer for SB Nation's Bucks Nation. Dot com And I thank you for making this show your first listen or your first view if you're on YouTube every single day. My co-host James Yarko off for today's episode, but you can find him on Twitter at jyarko underscore bucks. Find me at dharrison82 and the show at Locked on Bucks. Thank you again for making us your first listen or your first view of the day. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are clearly Deshaun Watson's best chance at getting what he wants on the field. And if the Houston Texans get their way, we could see an agreed upon deal struck within the next three weeks, because not only are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers looking into quarterback Deshaun Watson, the quarterback is looking into the team as well. This according to ESPN's Jeremy Fowler, who reported on Wednesday, quote, the Texans quarterback who spent the 2021 season on the team's active roster but did not play has begun evaluating potential fits for his services in 2022 with the Buccaneers and Vikings among teams on his radar, end quote. Now let's compare these two options, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Minnesota Vikings. For starters, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have won a Super Bowl in recent history. Obviously, that's going to help uh, boost them a little bit. And They've been in the playoffs as recent as oh this last NFL season, while the Minnesota Vikings, their defense has kind of plummeted. And their offense, while they do have a weapon like Justin Jefferson, they have Dalvin Cook over there, still not quite fully up to speed. Of course, many would probably argue that a quarterback like Deshaun Watson could probably get that thing rolling uh, just a little bit more. And they do have a veteran quarterback situation that they're dealing with with uh, Kirk Cousins over there and trying to figure out what they're going to do with him. So both have solid offensive options, but I would argue that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have the better defensive track record, even with some of the pieces that may be leaving in free agency. And I, I would go to say that the coaching staff uh, in Tampa is also better than the one in Minnesota, at least far more established, right? Obviously than the one uh, in Minnesota. So what will it take for the Buccaneers to potentially broker a deal to bring Houston Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson to Tampa, to Florida to replace essentially, right, Tom Brady, who is retiring and, and not retiring, and we'll see how that story continues to develop. I think pretty much everybody of the mindset that Tom Brady has played his last snap in the NFL. So, of course, the the known or historic asking price from the Houston Texans for quarterback Deshaun Watson has been three firsts and two seconds, and it's important to remember that going back to last season, nearing the trade deadline, the Miami Dolphins were actually willing to give the three first-round picks and the two second-round picks that the Texans were asking for contingent upon Deshaun Watson settling his civil case before the trade actually went down. Of course, the trade deadline kind of came and went. The civil case was not settled out of court, so the trade never happened. Deshaun Watson remains a Houston Texan, but we know the Texans want to get the deal done before the beginning of the league year, so that really kind of puts a clock on this thing, and Deshaun Watson can be deposed in his civil case as early as February 23rd, uh, as I understand it, which once his de- deposition is done, once all the documents are brought in, then you can kind of see 
the civil case kind of move to a head, move to its final stages and get some resolution. Of course, the problem that the Houston Texans are going to have now, I think, when you look at the Miami Dolphins going back to when they were willing to trade the three ones and the two twos to get Deshaun Watson, kind of in a situation where I don't want to say their season was lost, but they basically knew they weren't going to be contending for a Super Bowl championship in 2021. So if they bring Deshaun Watson in, the civil case is settled. Once the civil case is settled, then the NFL can hand out their punishment. They do so six games, eight games, rest of the season, whatever they decide to hand out uh, as punishment to Deshaun Watson and the Miami Dolphins basically have him serve that punishment there while either Tua Tagovailoa is finishing out a season or if Tua goes elsewhere, the Dolphins are basically playing with uh, Jacoby Brissett or whoever they have a quarterback and not so much tanking, but essentially setting themselves up uh, for better draft positioning with the draft picks that they do have in the upcoming selection meeting this April. However, that option is now off the board. So as much as the the Houston Texans are still going to want those three ones and the two twos, I feel like the fact that you're talking about this suspension with Watson happening at the beginning of the following season versus the tail end of the current season to a team that is basically counting out their their own chances of, of being Super Bowl champions that year. I think that has a little bit of an impact. I don't know if it's a complete total impact. You take off one of those ones. Uh, maybe you take one of the ones off, turn it into another two or turn it into a three. But I think bottom line, as we're sitting here right now talking, I think either way, no matter what the suspension is, no matter what the result is, the team that gets Deshaun Watson is going to have to be without at least their number one overall pick and their second overall pick. So their first round pick and their second round pick for that respective team, whether it be the Miami Dolphins, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Minnesota Vikings, or the Carolina Panthers, who don't don't forget, also made an offer for Deshaun Watson to the Miami Dolphins towards uh, the end of the tra- towards the nearing of the trade deadline in 2021. That quote unquote wasn't up to snuff, uh, and there have been reports that the Panthers are now interested or willing at least to discuss Christian McCaffrey being involved in a trade deal. So that's an interesting uh, development to watch as well. So. Let's say the Buccaneers pull off this trade. It means, first and foremost, right up front, the Buccaneers don't pick in the 2022 NFL draft until around the 90s, unless they pull off some other trade to get more picks or to move back up. Uh, And then the second thing is the money, right? Deshaun Watson, a $40 million cap hit in 2022. Meanwhile, the Buccaneers also will be paying Tom Brady what we expect to be $8 million, keeping him on the roster uh, until it makes smart money sense to put him on the reserve retired list. So you're basically talking $48 million for your starting quarterback uh, in 2022. Then in 2023, Deshaun Watson's number climbs to $42.5 million, and Tom Brady's projected hit as of right now is $24 million. So you're talking $66.5 million invested in your quarterback. Of course, there are some things that these teams can do for that, and I'm going to give a shout-out right now to Nick Corte, Corte, K-O-R-T-E. I'm not really sure how to pronounce it, so if I'm mispronouncing it, I apologize, but Nick Corte of OverTheCap.com listed on Twitter his top six NFL teams with the highest simple restructure potential, and the Buccaneers are one of them. We're going to talk about that, how it impacts the quarterback conversation we just had, and wide receiver Chris Godwin. And once we do, you may feel more comfortable at the Buccaneers' 2022 outlook, which might inspire some futures bets on division winners, conference representatives in the Super Bowl, maybe even a Super Bowl championship bet this early on your Buccaneers. But if you prefer to stick to in-season sports, basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. And BetOnline.net has the latest odds, totals, player performance props, and where the next fired coach is going to land. BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. 
Bet Online remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC odds, right down to your Olympic coverage and information. So head to the website today. Use your mobile device or your computer. Learn about the trends and the action with Bet Online, where the game starts. Thanks again for making the Locked on Bucks podcast your first listen of the day. I'm BucksNation.com writer David Harrison on Twitter at DHarrison82. The Buccaneers re-signing Chris Godwin and getting their next franchise quarterback, guys, may not be as far from reality as many thought entering the offseason. Of course, we're talking salary cap right here. We've already talked about draft capital, trade capital, cap hits. We got to stick with the money, especially when talking about Chris Godwin, a pending free agent. It's going to be all about what well, all about the money, but. A lot of the conversations going to circle around the money and the salary cap, of which the Tampa Bay Buccaneers currently project to have about $3 million worth of space uh, before we even get to bringing anyone back for 2022 and beyond or any other new quarterbacks. According, again, to overthecap.com, right now the Bucs have the lowest amount of cap space of any franchise not starting off in the red. There are 11 NFL teams right now projected to start 2022 in the red, including the New Orleans Saints, who are at $75 million over the 2022 cap, and the Atlanta Falcons, who are currently $6.6 million over the salary cap. That being said, Nick Corte, who we just kind of talked about there at the end of segment one of Over the Cap, tweeted on Wednesday his top six teams with the highest simple restructure potential, which means basically they have contracts on their team that they can very easily shift the money around, shift how that money gets paid out, how it impacts the salary cap, without a whole lot of hassle, hustle, and bustle, brand new deals. Those top six teams, the Buccaneers are on there, but they're not number one. Number one, the New Orleans Saints with a $101.4 million uh, that, that Nick projects. They can easily restructure and reshuffle to free up for the 2022 season. Coming in second, the Dallas Cowboys at $73.7 million. Then you have the Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams at 71.5. At number four, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at $67.75 million. That means, again, according to Nick Cortev over the cap, that the Buccaneers have nearly $68 million worth of money that they can free up with what he calls simple restructure plans. Uh, for, for what it's worth, the Tennessee Titans come in fifth with $66.9 million, and the Kansas City Chiefs come in sixth with $58.1 million that they could potentially free up. And again, these are simple restructure moves. So if the Buccaneers were to do these simple restructures that Nick lays out, and we know the team has done it before, Mike Evans uh, is one of the kind of the most popular ones. Ali Marpet did it recently as well. They'd actually have around $70 million in cap space. That's a lot better, right, than $3 million. And remember, that's with what Tom Brady's already factored to cost them uh, in 2022. So that's not even outside of Tom Brady. Seven, $70 million and you're paying uh, what Tom Brady is going to cost you from from a salary cap standpoint. So if you take those numbers, you add Deshaun Watson. Now you get you had the 40 million barring a restructure there as well. Cause again, remember you can restructure, you can resign, you can extend, you can do whatever you want. $40 million against the cap. The Bucks would still have around $30 million left to resign uh, their own players, sign free agents and their draft class. Typically you want to have about $10 million for your draft class. But if you have Deshaun Watson, you don't have a first and you don't have a second round pick. So you don't really need the full $10 million. You just need uh, a decent amount of money. The top priority free agent, of course, in all of this and with this money is wide receiver Chris Godwin. His projected valuation 
sitting at about $16 million per year in the open market. The Bucks still have around $14 million left if they sign him at that per year average starting in year 116 million with Deshaun Watson. Then they still have about 14 million left. Like I said, to re-sign guys like Carlton Davis, Ryan Jensen, or whomever they prioritize after Godwin. And remember bonuses, guarantees, all that stuff can be spread. So Godwin may average $16 million a year in his new deal with the Buccaneers, but that doesn't mean he's going to count for $16 million in year one or even year two. That money can be pushed uh, to, you know, if it's a three to five year contract, you can push that money to wherever you need it to if you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So the $16 million doesn't necessarily have to hit in 2022 in order for Chris to get his 2022 or his $16 million rather on average. And let's be honest, on the open market, I don't know if Chris will hit the $16 million. I feel like he's probably going to be more, more around the $15 million, the ACL. ACL is not as bad as they used to be, but this isn't Chris's first injury. I'm not saying he's injury prone, but the, but teams are going to basically look at anything they can to try to bring that number down just a little bit while continuing uh, to go ahead and pay him. So I think 15, 16 million is probably realistic. If he hits the open water, which we're going to talk about here in a minute, that price point could, of course, go up in a bidding war. Of course, uh, the bad news of all this, right? This also means the Saints are about $30 million in the green if they want to be. Uh, and again, remember, these restructures, we're not talking about players taking less money. It's how they get their money. It's how the team accounts for the money and how it impacts their salary caps. Uh, in fact, a lot of times with these restructures, players actually get a, a chunk of their contract earlier than they would have later, so they're happy uh, to do it. So again, we're not talking about pay cuts, okay? So let's let's remember that. We're talking about simple restructures where the team basically just shuffles uh, how the money gets paid. For example, uh, and again, all of this is according to overthecap.com, uh, guys who are much smarter about the salary cap and contracts than I am. Simple restructures of Shaquille Barrett and Donovan Smith's contracts alone, not paying them less money, not not taking any money away from either of those guys, but just changing how the money gets paid out could net the Tampa Bay Buccaneers an additional $22 million in cap space just with those two players alone. So the point is, guys, if Chris Godwin doesn't get re-signed, even if the Bucs bring in an expensive quarterback on top of what they're already paying for Tom Brady in 2022, it's not going to be because of can it's going to be because of want and to that end jeremy fowler again of espn reporting again on wednesday that he caught up quote unquote with godwin who told him he's doing well in his acl recovery expects to fully recover and play in 2022 which of course is great news great information for everybody out there and the star receiver is not returning or not ruling out a return to the buccaneers and admitted quarterback is an important factor but it's not the only factor and that he's excited about his first crack at the open market. So what does that mean? That means even with a trade for Deshaun Watson or a Russell Wilson or any of these guys that we've been talking about, don't expect a Chris Godwin contract extension to be done and put in place by the beginning of the league year. Expect that Chris Godwin is going to be tampered with. He's going to get some phone calls. He may even go on some trips, guys. He may go flirt with a couple teams here or there before he decides to re-sign with the Buccaneers or sign with another team, hopefully he's going to give the Buccaneers kind of the right of first refusal. Maybe he accepts a contract offer from, uh, I don't know, say the Los Angeles Rams who suddenly want to add somebody next to Cooper Cup and and relieve all that cap space that we were just talking about uh, a minute go, a minute ago. Maybe Chris goes to the Bucs and says, hey, look, guys, the, the Rams are offering me $17.4 million on average per year over four years with this much up front and guarantees. Are you willing to match it? And if the Buccaneers say yes, they're willing to match it, which – uh, look, outside of, outside of $20 million a year, 
and, and fully guaranteed and all that stuff, uh, it, it's kind of hard to imagine that the Buccaneers won't uh, match whatever offer if, again, Chris gives them the option to match that. So the Buccaneers have made it very clear that he is a keystone player for their roster, for their team, for their future. Chris has maintained that he loves being in Tampa. He enjoys being a part of the organization, wants to continue doing so. So, again, with the numbers and with how these things work with the contract situations, it seems like something that should be a foregone conclusion, right? And, look, maybe Chris and his camp are putting this out here to kind of look at the Bucs and say, look, we're talking, but here pretty soon in about a month's time, I'm going to be allowed to talk to other teams. So if we want to nail this thing down before that happens, we need to get the deal done. I'm sure that all of us, all of you watching, would love to have Chris Godwin locked down uh, before the new league year starts. Of course, the Buccaneers could always franchise tag Chris Godwin, right? And do it for a second year in a row, but that would likely cause some heartache. So before we even get into that conversation, just up front, that's going to cause some heartache between the player and the franchise. Players don't like being franchise tag. They want security. They want longevity. They want the three, the five, you know, whatever year contracts. They don't want to be tied down year to year because of things like exactly what happened to Chris Godwin is you come in kind of one of the hottest commodities on the market. You come in under the franchise tag. You have a one-year contract. Yeah, it's fully guaranteed, but you get injured, especially towards the end of the season, and now you're in a situation where you're having to fight for your valuation while teams are kind of discrediting a little bit of it because of that injury. Uh, Tampa, if they did decide to, to, to franchise tag Godwin for a second year, would pay him nearly $20 million in real money and against the cap. That can't be spread out. It can't be kicked down the road. It can't be void year, whatever, whatever. It's about $20 million straight up all against the cap all at one time. And you really don't have a chance of moving that number because while the franchise tag does allow you to continue negotiating with that player and potentially signing a contract uh, extension, I kind of find it hard to believe that a guy like Chris Godwin, after being franchise tagged two years in a row, is going to then sit at the table and negotiate in good faith with the franchise that did that. Signing an extension after essentially being held hostage from going and hitting the open market doesn't seem like something a lot of players would be interested to do. So I don't see that course of action but hey i mean you never you know never say no or never say never right bruce arians if he's only got one year left to head coaching not that he doesn't care about chris godwin but kind of hey bucks you deal with the aftermath of franchise tagging him for a second season uh while i'm playing golf that's going to be your problem not mine whatever happens is a lot of information to digest so by all means go back through it check the numbers check the website check the tweets uh in the meantime we're going to continue our running back conversation and I'm bringing two more draft prospects to add to the two that James and 10 Tampa Bay's Evan Klosky brought on Wednesday's episode in our final segment on the Locked On Bucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Final segment here at the Locked On Bucks podcast on today's episode. I am your host, David Harrison, on Twitter at DHarrison82, writer for SB Nations, BucksNation.com, covering your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. My co-host, off for this episode, James Jarko. You can find him on Twitter at JRCO underscore Bucks. The show is at Locked on Bucks. Bucks Nation can be found at Bucks underscore Nation. James and Evan of 10 Tampa Bay already dropped Florida's Damian Pierce and Michigan's Hassan Haskins as potential draft targets for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this April. Two good prospects and two more that the team should be focusing their efforts on, in my opinion, are Iowa State's Brees Hall and Arizona State Sun Devils running back Rashad White. Let's start, let's start with Brees Hall, 6'1", 215 pounds, led the NCAA in rushing yards in 2020 despite playing one fewer game than Alabama's Najee Harris. And he was one of just two backs in all of college football, Division One college football, to have more than 20 rushing touchdowns. The other... 
Najee Harris, who had a pretty good season for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, they're playing up there with Big Ben in his last season. Uh, look, Hall runs with good vision. He's got burst. He can catch the football. Problem is, he actually may go earlier than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers pick, especially if they don't move up, especially if they pull the trigger on a trade for Deshaun Watson uh, or a trade that you know gets rid of their first second-round draft picks. He may actually go uh, higher than pick 90 in the 90s and the 100s. So he's kind of a line stepper, right? That's kind of the way I look at him is, he may go just before the Buccaneers' first pick. He may be there, right kind of Goldilocks in the perfect spot for the Buccaneers to potentially take him. Of course, with months left, you still got the scouting combine. Everybody's going to evaluate, reevaluate, adjust, readjust, grade, regrade. And, of course, we always have overthinkers. He could rise or fall as well. So he could actually become like an early day two pick and never even get close to the Bucs. He could actually slip down and maybe the Buccaneers even could get him in the fourth. I don't see that happening. I think uh, he, I don't see how he gets out of the third round, but if he's there for the Buccaneers in the third round, it might be their first pick, depending on what happens with Leonard Fournette, depending on what happens with these other guys. We've talked about some of these free agents that we've talked about. Maybe third round is a good place to go. If the Buccaneers do have maybe a veteran, uh, like some of the guys we've been talking about, Marlon Mack or uh, Raheem Mostert or anybody else, maybe they, they still add to the running back group. They go a little bit later, and that's where my favorite running back in this class Full bias, Arizona State, Sun Devil, Rashad White, six foot, 210 pounds. Bit of an unknown guy, right? No D1 offers coming out of high school. He went to the JUCO route, had a COVID-shortened 2020 season, so a lot kind of going against him. But he ends up with a senior bowl invite. Jim Nagy and the staff invite him to the 2022 Reese's Senior Bowl. I was there in Mobile, Alabama. He jumped off the field from the very start of practice all through the week, looked very solid. Absolutely balled out at the senior bowl, looked decisive. He looked smart. He looked explosive. Basically looked as good as you can get in pass in the passing game, uh, you know, in practices, uh, you know, in the receiving game there. Uh, White may still rise, just like everybody else, right? Especially after the combine. If he if he does well at the NFL scouting combine in his interviews, he's definitely gonna rise up some boards. But this is a guy that even if he rises, you can still realistically expect him to be there when the Buccaneers pick if you know, maybe it's their third round pick, fourth round pick, wherever he ends up going. Uh, beginning of the conversation or beginning of the season, there were a lot of people who said he might be an undrafted guy, a late round guy. I think now he's probably sitting ballpark end of fourth, early fifth. I think most people would probably say, so he could move up a little bit higher in the fourth, maybe into the back end of the third. Uh, but there's a reason also, right. That he's going to be available and his game is raw. You look at Keyshawn Vaughn, same kind of guy, uh, not, you know, carbon copies, but just in status of development, Still a raw guy, especially in pass protection. You know, Rashad has shown that he's a very willing pass protector, but he's going to need some solid coach in the NFL. He's going to need to kind of up the ante in that, but he's a willing blocker. So that's always a good start. Effort is always the first step. If you have the effort and the, and the want to and all those things, and you can coach it. Wouldn't be surprised to see the Buccaneers take two cracks at running back this year either, especially if they don't get one of those veterans. They don't bring back Leonard Fournette. You may see them. Uh, you know, kind of depending on how the rest of the free agent class goes, you might see them drop a third and maybe a fifth or a sixth on a running back as well. Match them up with Keyshawn Vaughn and perhaps group them with uh, David Johnson, Evan Klosky and I on the same wavelength there with uh, potential former Arizona Cardinals, former Bruce Arians running back David Johnson joining the squad on the 2022 roster. So again, Brees Hall. Rashad White, two more draft prospects to add to the board, uh, along with Damian Pierce out of Florida. One of my favorite guys, another standout from the Senior Bowl, and then, of course, Michigan's Hassan Haskins, who, as much as it pains me to speak well of a, of a Michigan Wolverine on the show, 
He is a good prospect. And of course, if he joins the Buccaneers, we're going to want him to win just like we want all other Buccaneers to win, just like Michigan Wolverine quarterback Tom Brady. We wanted him to win and lead the team to the Super Bowl. This is going to lead us into our episode tomorrow. James is going to be back. He and I are going to wrap up our positional preview of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 2022 running back group. And we'll talk about more. We thank you again for making us your first listen of the day. For your second listen, check out the Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight into the world of sports betting from Lee Sterling. Free and available on all platforms, just like this show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day for James Yarko on Twitter at JYarko and score bucks. I'm David Harrison. You can find me on Twitter at dharrison82. Find both of us writing for SB Nation's BucksNation.com and find the show at Locked On Bucks. Until we speak again, if you're out and about, please be safe, be kind to one another, wash your hands, fire the cannons, and thank you for joining me right here at Locked On Bucks.